Another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I'm Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Brittany Brombacher. Hello. And Miss Christine Steimer. Hello. Um, Brits. Uh, OMG, yeah. you got a new background. What's I, up? I do. Yeah. So this is exciting. I have a brand new PC, courtesy of AMD, and we're working on making some fun horror let's play content that should be hitting our youtube channel very soon that's youtube.com slash plus good games so because of that i decided like hey i mean we've been talking about this for a while right moving my little desk away from the green screen of i was gonna call it green screen of death but i have no reason to call it that <laughs> it just sounded it could real be good. a green screen of death depending on what you put yourself into that's true like, you could and we never utilize yourself it. out into somewhere yeah. else yeah or maybe it would have fallen off like the tax and it would have suffocated me and that would have been really bad Anyway, yeah, so long story short, I am here in my in my room that I used to do all of my blonde nerd videos at that I'll typically do my vlogs from. So it's exciting. I like I like being in here. I have a nice view of the yard outside. What do people call that? Feng shui or something? The the mood. Oh, oh. no, feng shui is like about where things are positioned oh. in your house and like which direction they face northwest, southeast, that kind of thing. Oh, it absolutely had no that had nothing to do with how I placed <laughs> anything in here. So that's definitely not it. But no, it feels good. I, I like being in here. It's nice. It's cooler. It's just a good spot to be. Well, I'm so glad that our friends over at AMD were able to make that possible because I know that you and I have literally been talking about it for six months, seven months, mm-hmm. maybe longer about making that switch. And so I'm glad that they were able to light the fire. They did. Um, and I look forward to seeing what you make with them. Um, in case you guys miss it, of course, this is What's Good Games. We thank you guys so much for supporting everything that we do. We've got some awesome streams coming up this weekend. That's right, starting Saturday, June 29th at 10 a.m. Pacific time. That's right. It's time to wake up and have some mimosas for a happy hour Q&A that happens over on patreon.com slash what's good games. You can get all of the link and stream info. And then... After that, at 12 p.m. Pacific time, we're going to do the After Hour Stream. This is where we play games with you, sometimes with you, if we can get the connection to work. And if we're playing a game where there actually are multiple players. (laughs) Um, But I think um, we talked about potentially picking up our Until Dawn playthrough. I have my heart set on that. I'm really excited. I want to see what happens. Okay. Yeah. I have to logistically figure out where I can put the camera so that you guys can see what's happening in the game, not on a delay. Oh. I mean, we've played before in some wonky situations. Brittany and I are veterans at the Until Dawn weird delay game. It's very true. <laughs> we can just FaceTime with it. Worst case scenario. We'll FaceTime with your TV. 
It'll we'll be great. Figure, we'll figure just, it out. Yeah. Just bring like a battery pack to plug <laughs> yeah. your phone into so that it doesn't die during the stream. <laughs> well, hopefully we don't have to resort to that. I've got lots of equipment in here that we can make something happen with. Um, it also is the very end of June, as you guys are aware. And as you can see, I'm wearing my What's Good Games Pride shirt. Looks real so good. Pride shirts are still on sale uh, through the end of the month. And of course, as a reminder, all of the profits through the end of June go to the Gay and Lesbians Alliance Against Defamation. Yes, glad. Our partners over at Teespring have facilitated that for us. They actually send the money directly to Glad, which is so awesome and convenient that we get to work with a fantastic partner, not only like Teespring, but of course, the nonprofit organization that does um, do lots of great work promoting the voices of the LGBTQ community. So don't forget, whatsgoodgames.com slash store. If you want to get in there, we have three different designs and a variety of different pieces of apparel to choose from. So go on over there and check that out. And Brittany, we also have been promoting our return to another social media platform. Reddit. Yeah, it's really exciting. So we finally have control over our little Reddit space. Okay, is it called a Reddit subreddit or a Reddit page? It's a subreddit. Okay, so we now have control of the What's Good Games subreddit, and it's really fun. Last I checked, we have about 720, 730 members, and I popped in there to say hello, basically admit I had no idea what I was doing in this Reddit sphere, and everyone was really kind and nice, and we chatted about video games. There was a fun thread in there today about games that What's Good Games got other people to play, and that was really fun to read. I'm a fan. I think I like our little corner on the internet, so I'm going to be there more often. We'll be there more often. Pop in, say hi, hello. I think it's just Reddit. What's the what's the URL? See, I don't know. I'm going to find it right now. It's just say r slash what's good games. Really? That's it? That's, That's it. That's how full- Reddit works, sort of. Yeah. Kind of. I don't really know. I don't go to Reddit, <laughs> but you can and you probably wow. should. Um, And wow, I am blown away by the amount of people that wrote in to us asking to be part of our Reddit mod community. I had no idea there were so many of you that are active on Reddit that are eager to help us um, moderate the What's Good Games subreddit. So I have tried to respond to as many emails as possible. I've gotten to almost all of them, but essentially um, we're compiling all of the emails and we're going to be going through and looking at them all and we'll let you guys know if we you have been selected to be a mod but thank you so much to everybody who has written in to be like i'll do it yeah um that was really really awesome of you guys you're the you're the best guys the best there ever was to catch you is our real test train you is our cause we will travel i mean we don't want to train you because that would be weird and your people and you should really do what you feel is best in life each listener follow your understand compass Moral the power compass. that's inside. The power that's inside is the moral compass that your parents should give to you <laughs> as you as go on this life journey. I thought for a second, Britt, that she was actually going to let you sing the song. But no, nope. she literally talked over you the whole time. I know. And then I was like, okay, I'll stop. It's I'll a bit. <laughs> I mean, I laughed. I thought it was. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, yeah. It's going to be one of those shows. Um, it's got, definitely going to be one of those shows. I think we're all feeling just a little bit uh, a little bit burned out. Um, one last piece of housekeeping. I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart to everybody who stopped by my Guardian Con stream for St. Jude's last weekend. So many of you guys showed up in such a big way. 
whether just supporting me in the chat or making a donation to benefit the sick children that the St. Jude's Children's Hospital Network benefits. Uh, we raised over $9,000 oh, um, in our block, which was super awesome. I mean, sure, Dr. Lupo raised almost a million dollars in his block. You know what? It's not. <laughs> but uh, it's not. It's not a race. Dr. Lupo did not wear a a contest. There you go. True. He didn't wear a variety of masks and hats. He did a bunch of other things. But um, what was great about Dr. Lupo is that he does a lot of charitable fundraising through his uh, various Twitch streams. And he's been a staunch supporter of St. Jude's. And of course, when you have somebody like State Farm Insurance coming in and making a big donation or someone like Ninja dropping, you know, a ton of money, it helps uh, boost the overall sales. But honestly, um, the fact that we got over 9,000 is crazy. And because of that... Bonandria Renee <laughs> is going to make an appearance on the Kind of Funny Games cast. That was uh, John Drake's show of choosing uh, for me to wear a full banana costume, which has been ordered. Uh, we don't know which episode it will be yet, but I'll, I'll let you guys know. Um, and then uh, everybody who donated at the $50 level or more is going to get an MP3 of Steimer's famous growl. Ooh. Oh, boy. Do you already have that or do you need me to make one? No, we'll... we'll I'll voice actor direct you through it. Okay, it's cool. Gonna be, great. It's going to be great. <laughs> and then um, several people also chipping in $250 or more to get a custom piece of Microsoft Paint art. Oh, boy. For one Brittany Brombacher. <laughs> Frame this. Hang it on your wall. It's going to be worth so much money. Don't pull out your retirement. Spend it on hookers and drugs because I'm telling you. <laughs> This painting you're going to get is going to supplement you for the rest of your life. It's going to be worth that much money. What, Steimer? You seem confused I, by what I, I just am, said. I am confused by <laughs> I'm confused at the pull out your money and spend it on hookers and drugs. <laughs> yeah. You I thought it was self-explanatory. Yeah. <laughs> but like, why? The, what? I don't understand how that's connected to the painting. Okay. Here, let me break it down for you, baby girl. Okay. okay. So okay. <laughs> you've been working hard your whole life. I You're, have. I been, have. I work like a dog. You've worked so hard. You have a retirement for when you eventually retire and you're going to pull all that money out. You're not going to spend on the grandkids. You're not going to spend on your mortgage. No, you're going to spend it on hookers and, and booze and drugs. But what I'm telling you is live your best life now. Pull that money out now and spend on whatever you want. Because if you donated $250 or more and you're getting a Microsoft painting of mine, it's, it's going to be, be worth, worth okay. more than your retirement. Yeah. I'm, I'm on the train now. Okay, I'm choo, on the Brit. Choo, choo, motherfucker. Train. Yeah. <laughs> choo, choo, motherfucker. I think yeah. um, what this means, though, is in October, we all need to have our Halloween costumes. Steimer's the strawberry. You're going to be I'm the, the strawberry. And then <gasps> I just need to be something else. Like, Ooh, what can I be that would make what sense? What fruit would you want to be? I mean, there's literally a million sexy fruit costumes out there, so we can find something. Okay, is perfect. mine sexy? Am no, I a but- sexy strawberry? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think I think we can't do the sexy fruits because clearly mine's like a full banana and Steimer was a full strawberry. So we'll find something for Perfect. you. We'll find a full. I don't know. I need a, a fruit. A, a full bodied fruit. A kiwi. Great. An orange, an apple. Maybe you can be a bunch of grapes. Oh, my God. Yes, they have those. And they have a oh, little like a little circle. One. Yes, oh, you'll be our grapes. I'm, you'll yo. be our bundle. You're our bundle of grapes. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. Okay. This is good. It's going to be great. Maybe we should talk okay. about things now. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, a big shout out and thank you to this month's Patreon producers, Lincoln Davis, Alex Rogopoulos, Faris Atay, and Muhammad Muhammad. And welcome to our Patreon community, John Corwell IV, James Jackson, Michaela Sage, Matthew Wake, Adam Bankers. Wait, Adam Bankers? I know that guy. Rory O'Connor and Robert Cober. 
Wait, that's a Rober, great, Rober Cobra. Wait, is that a, is that a have, real name? I may have left out a T. Robert. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> Robert. I'm like, okay. hold on. Okay. Although, hold on. If that's Robert a real Cobert name, that's is amazing. a fantastic name. <laughs> it is, oh, it's Rob Cobra. Rob I added Cobert. the ER. Why did I do that? <laughs> because you were like, you were like, this rhymes and I like it. <laughs> Rob Cobra, you are now Ro- Robert Cobra. Robert Cobra. Congratulations on your name change. <laughs> Robert Cobra? Who Robert knows? Um, okay. Thank you so much to everybody for joining our community at patreon.com slash what's good games. Um, this week, our show is brought to you by Calm, DoorDash, and Grammarly. And now it's time to get into the news. Woo. The news this week is brought to you by Calm. The World Health Organization has named the health epidemic of the 21st century. Wait. The World Health Organization has named the health epidemic of the 21st century. You heard correctly. Do you know what it is? Stress. We're feeling more uncertainty and anxiety than ever before. And that's why we're partnering with Calm, the number one rated app for meditation. When you meditate, your brain chemistry changes. Meditation has been shown to slow down the release of stress chemicals into your bloodstream, like cortisol and adrenaline, giving you some much-needed relief. With Calm, you'll discover a whole library of simple, guided meditations on themes like anxiety, creativity, and focus. They even have other resources to help you relax, like sleep stories, music, and more. So if you're stressed, take a deep breath and get calm. Now, I like doing this every time uh, we have calm on the show because... Ah, so relaxing. It's just so soothing. Listening to the sweet sounds of water and birds. And this is, you guys, this is literally me just opening the app. I haven't even looked at, I haven't even opened anything, um, any of the different things. But um, we love uh, working with Calm. They have all kinds of great sleep music. If you're like me and you need to have some kind of white noise when you sleep, they have that. Or they have different types of music that you can listen to. The sleep stories are great as well. So if you guys are looking for a nice, easy way to get into meditation and learn about meditation, the Calm app is a great place to start. If you go to what's, or excuse me, calm.com slash what's good, you can get 25% off a Calm premium subscription. That's C-A-L-M dot com slash what's good to get 25% off of a Calm premium subscription. 40 million people have downloaded Calm. Find out why at calm.com slash what's good. All right, our first story of the day is a very interesting one. Dead Space Creators' new studio to develop PUBG's narrative experience. This write-up comes from IGN. Glenn Schofield, the former vice president and general manager of Sledgehammer Games and Visceral Games, who was instrumental in creating Dead Space and co-directed multiple Call of Duty games, has been named the head of Striking Distance Studio by PUBG Corporation and will be creating an original narrative experience within the PUBG universe. PUBG Corporation announced the news today that Schofield will be building a world-class development team from the ground up to help create this new narrative experience within the Player Unknown's Battlegrounds universe. The new studio will be located in San Ramon, California. Quote, throughout my career, I've had lots of opportunities to make some remarkable games that tell incredible stories, and each of them has meant something special to me, said Schofield. But now those learnings will help me build a AAA team that can explore new designs and concepts at striking distance. As a creative, the freedom to explore the PUBG universe has me excited about the possibility 
abilities, which I view as beyond the battle royale genre. Today represents a special moment for me, and I'm so thankful to be taking this journey with the team at PUBG Corporation. End quote. Schofield has been in the gaming industry for a long time and was director on such games as Gex 3D and yeah. the Gecko. Blood Omen 2, Legacy of Cain. He then went on to create and be an executive producer on Dead Space before co-founding the Sledgehammer Games and co-directing Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3, Call of Duty Advanced Warfare, and Call of Duty World War 2. Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, which recently became the fifth best-selling game of all time, with over 50 million copies sold, took the world by storm with its Battle Royale gameplay. Hot. Damn. I think this is actually really exciting. I, I do too. Yeah. PUBG is not a game for me. Obviously, like, there's not a lot of story going on there. And plus, like, I just suck. But taking <laughs> the talent of Glenn and taking this universe that's been created. I mean, my only plebe analyst on this is, like, I think of a game like The Hunger Games, right? Where it's, like, you have all these... or Sorry, a movie. And you have all these people trying to survive... So I think about how could you turn that into a video game? And Hunger Games is very exciting to me, and I like watching it. It's fun. Don't ask me what happens. I couldn't tell you because I watch these things and I forget. But I remember enjoying myself in the moment. So if you take this idea and you turn it into a game, I think you could do some interesting narrative things with this. You know, are you going to do the same sort of thing where all of a sudden you have to join all these other people and you have to live in this dome life? Like that reality TV series that they're making, except where you can actually die. And how they can spin that. And are they going to make it so... And this is where my mind goes. Maybe, you know, you might not win if you don't make the right decisions. Or maybe you're going to have to win and you just have to make the right decisions. I don't know. It's exciting. I'm here for it. I have no idea what a narrative experience is going to look like since... I'm really unfamiliar if there's any deep lore to the PUBG universe They're at all. Frying pans. I mean, they can make it. Though. Like, I think the that's kind of the beauty of what Glenn could do here is just craft it into whatever he wants. My only, mm-hmm. my only concern is uh, the engine of what they're using. Like, I don't know how interested in this I'm going to be if it's kind. Of, it's like the same engine that they're making that they make PUBG in because it, it's a, a serviceable engine for what it is for mm-hmm. this. Uh, battle royale but i don't know that it's definitely not going to be able to compete with anything like battlefield or call of duty or any of these shooters that come out with these really beautiful brilliant campaigns um so that would be my only thing where i I feel Uh, like they would need to do some engine work before they could really so i guess that that. makes a lot of sense you're probably thinking it's going to be more along the line of like a call of duty campaign maybe or something like that that's what what just reading the headline Mm -hmm. that's what i thought it meant I don't I would like, you know, like listen to the story and like, that's the only thing I could think of it. But maybe mm-hmm. it's something different. I'm not really sure. It is whatever a narrative experience. <laughs> whatever you want. I don't know, man. Like, yeah, I was thinking I was to me that translates to single player campaign. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, But it is possible that they are doing something super wacky, which I, I'm, all, I, I'm here for. Go ahead. Do something yeah, because I think about PUBG and I think it's a game that. I mean, obviously, it's realistic-esque compared to especially games like Fortnite, but I don't think it's a game that takes itself way too seriously. So with that, I think there's probably some room for some quirkiness, maybe for no, not so much a linear first-person campaign, but maybe something that's a little more open where you have other characters. This is a, a really cool opportunity if there is not a lot of lore, which I really, you never hear anyone talking about the lore of PUBG, to really create lore and create, um, yeah, like a, an actual story, livable, breathable setting around PUBG and it could it could be really fun that's actually an interesting point where it couldn't instead of being like a 
a campaign you like traditional campaign it could be something more where it's just uh pve ish or like whatever Mm -hmm. like there's just not a lot of other players around to kind of fuck you up um or i mean technically it doesn't say it's even single player so it could be a narrative experience together which would be interesting yeah anyways i guess we'll find out maybe we'll get some necromorphs back bring back dead space oh but it it kind of has to make you wonder and this is kind of on topic kind of not like what the hell is going on at sledgehammer games right now you know, I know they left back in, was it February of last year, Glenn and his uh, co-founder, Michael Condry, I think his name Correct. was? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just recently, a piece came out um, from Kotaku. 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 Ooh, tacos. <laughs> Dude, tacos sounds so good. Saying that Treyarch is now heading the 2020 title, which Sledgehammer and Raven were working on. Um, and it's kind of like, well, why is that happening? Like, what's going on at Sledgehammer? It's going to... Kind of related, kind of not. Kind of got to wonder. Well, yeah. So whenever there's a change in leadership like that, with especially with both of them leaving to go do other things, I'm sure that ripples out and is going to affect their production timelines because they might want to, you know, change some priorities around. Whoever the new leadership that's coming in might want to put their stamp on things and work out a flow with the team and obviously has to integrate into the Activision ecosystem because – they are so heavily involved in whatever is going on at Sledgehammer. Um, I think it would be interesting to see, you know, like be a fly on the wall and figure out like what is actually going on. Yeah. But I have no doubt that they'll work it out. You know, oh, I, yeah. think right na- I think right now, like Call of Duty as a franchise clearly needs to figure out a way to reinvent itself. And Infinity Ward is taking up that mantle with what they're doing with Modern Warfare. And I think if it's successful, that might dictate what these other studios are doing. And Activision is probably aware of that and maybe doesn't necessarily want too much rocking the boat right now until they figure out what their strategy is for the next like five years going into the next generation yeah. of, of consoles. Black All I can say is Warfare. I would feel bad for Treyarch being like, God damn it. Now we have to do a, a block yeah. five in 2020. Yeah. Our timeline moved up by a year. I guess the only saving grace in that would be you would think Sledgehammer and Raven would have kind of a concrete foundation already set that they've been working on. And hopefully it's just, okay, come in and blopsify it. Do your blopsify magic. That blopsify. Blopsify. That blopsify dust. It. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on to the next story. Brittany, would you like to read this one? I would love to. <clears throat> Respawn addresses underwhelming Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order gameplay releases extended version via Eurogamer. It's fair to say the initial public reaction to Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order's gameplay was subdued. In response to the 15-minute gameplay clip shown at EA Play before E3, fans said they felt underwhelmed by the combat and expressed disappointment at what they considered to be bland and linear gameplay. To add to the confusion, journalists were then shown an extended version of this demo later on at EA Play, which displayed a cinematic AT-AT, right? I always want to say at-at. You can say at-at, people, at. and people get mad at me. Okay. A brief well, I look. think they say it in the in the extended demo. I think he says at-at. Oh, okay. It's like 50-50. I did a poll on Twitter once to say find out what the definitive way was, and it was like split right down the middle. Okay. Potato, so, potato. So to not piss everyone off, which displayed a cinematic AT-AT scene, a brief look at the skill tree save points, alternative paths, and additional combat combinations produced through the mastering of special abilities. 
And then during E3 itself, several journalists, including the writer of the story, were able to go hands-on with an extended extended version of the gameplay demo, which displayed more of the Metroidvania influences and gave critics an understanding of what the mechanics actually felt like. Having watched the gameplay demo and then played the game, I was surprised at the depth of combat, this is from the writer's perspective, surprised at the depth of combat mechanics under the surface, they're solid even if they're not yet perfect, but also that the Metroidvania elements were not initially shown to the public. Now, Fallen Order's game director, Stig, oh god, Stig Asmussen, Asmussen, thank you, has addressed the fan reaction to that public gameplay demo and Respawn has released the extended gameplay footage shown to press. Quote, we spent months going back and forth discussing the best strategy to release this content and ultimately decided for the first look, it was critical to present a focused 15 minutes of raw in-game footage highlighting lightsaber gameplay that speaks to the Jedi fantasy in an empowering way, Asmussen explained in the blog post. But it should not be mistaken that our combat is overpowered or easy, he continued. I promise there is considerable ch- considerable challenge and depth to be found within our combat system. The same can be said about our approach to level design, which is crafted in a non-linear way with heavy influences from games like Metroid, Castlevania, and the Soul series. Well, the game will, really, will feature several planets that the player can elect to travel to via Starship. On these worlds, unique abilities and upgrades can be found that open new paths across other planets, making Retroversal an, an essential part of the gameplay experience. The reason for not showing all this in the initial demo, Asmussen explained, was because it is, quote, a lot to describe in 15 minutes of gameplay and getting hands on the full 25 minute experience is best to completely understand it. While Asmussen believes the game is on track in terms of making the gameplay, quote, feel good, he said Respawn is still continuing playtesting to ensure the game challenges even the most skilled player while not alienating those who want to take a more casual approach, a.k.a. baby ass, a baby mode. And hey, yes. And maybe most importantly, we also want to make sure that the game is delivering on the core promise of becoming a Jedi. A Jedi means I stab you in the face with the laser bullet that you shoot at me. You fucked me up a little, Brittany, and then I my mess I, I, words. I try to like vibe with you. Usually we vibe really good. <laughs> you said laser. I said lightsaber. And it just No, because I put my favorite part of the whole demo was when he slowed the bullets down and then was oh, like yeah. and you come here and I kill you with your own bullet your yeah. own laser bullet Sorry, I messed up like, that's, that's like that's a bad way to go yeah you played so, yourself so both of you yes. had the opportunity to see this behind closed doors presentation do you agree that they should have put this out at EA Play and not held it? Or do you think it was the right call for them to hold it and then release it later? You know, at E3 in general this year, it was sort of a, a few head scratchers in that I think the behind closed doors content was stronger than what they showed at press conferences. And the press conferences or the presentations are where you have the most eyes. So I, it, to me, it doesn't make a lot of sense to show the weaker asset there. Granted, obviously you wouldn't want to... <laughs> Then, then there comes the thing of like, what's the appeal of going to the event, which is a different question for a different day. But I always firmly believe like if you have something that really showcases how the game looks and plays and it's really the first look of the game, do it well, because that's your first impression. And yeah. I actually I felt this way about Avengers as well. Yeah, this um totally encompasses how I felt about the Jedi Fallen Order gameplay. I saw it when I was getting ready to head to EA Play with Steimer. And she and I actually talked about it on the way to EA Play. And I said, it looks fine. You know, based on what we said, I said, it looks like Uncharted meets Star Wars. This is the Amy Hennig game we never got, right? But uh, it didn't really do anything for me. I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan, clearly, by how I pronounce A-T-at. But 
I, I just, if I'm going to play this game, I need something compelling. And what I saw during that first 15 minutes didn't really do anything for me. I'm like, sure, it looks fun. It looks like a linear story. And then, like, maybe I'll hop into it. I mean, I definitely will hop into it, but it didn't do anything for me. That Like, my, my skirt didn't get blown up. But then after we saw the behind closed door stuff, after I walked out of that demo, I was like, holy shit, this looks so good. I was so pumped. And they showed so much more stuff. They gave the game so much more context. And it showed that, you know, you are walking around. You are talking to people. It's not like you're just going from point A to point B in this, like, pre-constructed level design. And now that they're talking about the Metroidvania elements and you can go from planet to planet, like, that's all super exciting stuff. And it's too bad that that wasn't included. And I get it's tricky. You know, I get you have to appease different... You have to try to appease everyone within those first 15 minutes. The people who are wanting to play it because it's a video game. People who just are interested because it's a Star Wars thing. But, yeah, it it, it didn't... I, I But after I saw the behind closed door stuff, just speaking personally, I was sold. But it wasn't until I saw that that I was sold. Yeah, I heard from a couple of other judges that they were able to get some hands-on time with the game as Assholes. well, which... I know, if I had only known. Um, but I think I agree with you, Britt, that uh, they should have put their best foot forward. I have been likening some of these behind-closed-doors demos to the Hall H panels you see at Comic-Con. We have San Diego Comic-Con coming up here in just a couple of weeks, and how so many of those panels never get released to the public, and then the trailers are either leaked because somebody's like, you know... Got their phone, the sneaky squirrel. Like doing like a doing a sneaky um, a recording, like the Avengers demo that leaked, um, or the studios will release it a couple of weeks later because the people who run Comic Con want to incentivize fans to show up in person um, at the theater, which I understand, and I, so I think that's where a lot of these behind closed doors demos come from, and also the idea that the people that are invited to those BCD demos are generally members of the press that can tell the difference between like an alpha build and a beta build and know like if there's a, a bug or a mistake that it's not going to be final code in the game oh. and be able to have a more discerning eye than just a, a general Star Wars fan who walked in off the street for EA play. Um, but I agree that Star Wars should have been the big focus. Obviously they led their live stream on Saturday with it, but I really would have loved to see them dedicate the whole first hour of that stream just to Star Wars and show that full 25 minute gameplay clip in give context while they're playing through it. So, yeah. And going back to what you said, Simer, <laughs> it does remind me a lot of the Avengers because <coughs> all I've Excuse seen me. is the stuff during the Square Enix press conference. I haven't seen what you and Andrea have seen. And so right now on that game, I'm kind of like, eh, it sounds like every other. And this is me generalizing as again, not like a huge Avengers fan, like a, a your typical run of the mill action adventure game with an avenger skin like i haven't seen anything that's getting me all hot and bothered so it, it's kind of interesting the route that's being taken like you said a few head scratchers for sure yeah, yeah i mean the hall h thing is certainly a method you can choose but and then i think gears did this too and it was also weird like gears didn't show any gameplay and we were like, why did you not show any gameplay is it because you think you feel like everybody already knows what gears of war looks like so you don't need to show gameplay i don't know i don't understand the mentality behind it but like all of your press conferences and stages that is where you show your games and put your best foot forward and that is where you have the what the biggest amount of people and yes you want to give something special to those who like took the time to come and show up but like at the detriment of and introducing your game to the world i don't think so 
Yeah. And I think just going hands on too with the title, it's a total different experience than seeing it played, right? When we saw the Final Fantasy VII re-reveal, whatever trailer at uh, the press conference, obviously I was all hot and bothered and excited, but I was just as excited, if not more, to play it. And what I played was all the same stuff I had already seen in that trailer. So it's not even necessarily that it takes anything away from you, but it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a fine line to straddle. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll get some hands-on at PAX West later this summer Uh-oh. since the game is coming out this fall. Keep, uh, keep our fingers crossed. Uh, Steimer, yeah. you want to hit this this next story? Hit it. I'll hit it and quit it. <laughs> no, I won't. I'm not that kind of person. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's true. Epic exclusives are the, quote, only strategy to disrupt Steam's retail status quo. And this story comes to us via IGN, where I used to work once upon a time. Mm. Epic Games founder and CEO Tim Sweeney has defended the Epic Games Store's current exclusivity strategy, stating that the tactic is the only way to change the current status quo. Talking as part of a thread on Twitter, Sweeney said, quote, We believe exclusives are the only strategy that will change the 70-30 status quo at a large enough scale to permanently affect the whole game industry. The 7-30 split, revenue split, is what he's referring to there. He went on to explain that exclusives, quote, though unpopular with dedicated Steam gamers, do work as established by the major publisher storefronts and by the key Epic Game Store releases compared to their former Steam revenue projections and their actual console sales. At current, the dominant PC storefront is Valve Steam, which currently takes a 30% cut from the retail price of the game itself. Uh, Epic takes less than half of this with a 12% cut that leaves the game's publisher and or developer with an 88% share of the income. Sweeney has repeatedly stated that he believes that Valve's 30% cut is bad for the gaming industry at large. Quote, will the resulting 18% increase in developer and publisher revenue benefit gamers, he said in a follow-up tweet. Quote, such gains are generally split among one, uh, reinvestment, two, profit, and three, price reduction. The more games are competing with each other, the more likely the proceeds are to go to one and three. So reinvestment and price. So I believe this approach passes the test of ultimately benefiting gamers after storefronts have rebalanced and developers have reinvested more of their fruits of their labor into creation rather than taxation, he added. Sweeney often addresses complaints about Epic's exclusivity policy on Twitter. In April, he said that Epic would end exclusivity deals if Steam committed to an 88% revenue share for developers. Until then, the company intends to secure exclusives such as Metro Exodus, Borderlands 3, and Quantic Dream's previously PlayStation exclusive library. So I'm glad that this is coming up again because we've gotten so many of you that have written into us about this. Some of you have been very respectful with mm-hmm. your discussion and some of you have not. Um, tisk, tisk. <laughs> so obviously this is a very hot button topic and I think Sweeney is very definitively saying here, hey guys, we're happy to stop the exclusives once Steam lowers their revenue share. I said months ago that if people are upset about Epic exclusivity, they shouldn't get mad at Epic. They should go to Steam and demand that they match the revenue split. I think that's clearly the cl- the clearest path to victory here, but that's not what Steam gamers are doing. They're not going to Steam and saying, hey, Steam, don't let Epic take these games from you. Lower your revenue split. There's, no, there's absolutely no reason why Steam and Valve cannot match Epic's split. There's just literally no reason except that Valve wants more of the profit. Yep. And they want to take that profit out of the pocket of the developers who make the games that go on their platform. And if that doesn't make you angry, if you get angry because Epic 
wants to give more of that money back to developers instead of taking more of the profits of the platform, I don't think I can have a rational conversation with you. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know what to do here. Yeah. I mean, the reality is, you know, exclusives, when it comes down to it, you know, they're not pro-consumer. They're not. But if they are, they truly believe in this this goal to get the revenue sharing down to an ADH 12 across all platforms, whatever it is they really want to do, this is the way it's going to happen. And this is how you get the conversation going. But the unfortunate reality is I looked and Steam has 90 million active monthly users. How many of those people do you think actually understand how this works and understand, you know, how the gaming industry, how they how they make their money? So all they're really seeing is like this game I really want is no longer available to me. What do you mean Metro Exodus was available for two weeks prior to release on Steam and now all of a sudden it's not? And this is just... I think it's a harsh. This is how knee-jerk reaction. Yeah, it's definitely growing pains. Like, yeah, exactly. You know, and uh, that's just kind of that's just it, man. (laughs) Yeah, I do. I do love that he's basically he's like, look, we will stop this as soon as they do, and it's very much putting the ball in Valve's court because, I mean, as as I feel like both of you have already said, like when you have a monopoly like Steam. This is kind of the only way things get done. Like Valve isn't, they have no incentive otherwise. What else could Epic possibly do? There are no other cards to play. So you have to, fo- you have to force their hand in some way or another. And this is the way to do it. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. If you look at the statement that Steam put on the Metro Exodus page when it was pulled and it starts off with saying, we think the decision to remove the game is unfair to Steam customers, especially after a long pre-sale period. We apologize to Steam customers who are expecting it to be available for sale through February 15th, but we were only recently informed of the decision and given limited time to let everyone know. And when you put out it, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, I agree with Valve in this case. I think pulling a game that was previously on sale on the platform is bad form. I don't think Epic exclusive games inherently are bad. I think that they're fine because exclusives exist on every platform. Hello, you can't play fucking Pokemon Sword and Shield on your PlayStation 4. I don't hear people crying their big crocodile tears about that. Crocodile (laughs) rock. But like, I mean, but like the idea, like the Metro Exodus case is is clearly an exception that that I think was, that was bad. Like they should have let that game go to launch. But obviously like the 4A and and Deep Silver who like published that game and and THQ very publicly said how much better the game did on Epic Game Store than they thought it was going to do. But I agree that that one case where they pulled it after it was already on sale was like, yo, maybe this is not necessary. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think there's no issue with this because I think Steam is totally correct. But when you say we think the decision to remove is unfair, they're not wrong. It kind of was a shitty move. But I think the people who don't, you know, I'm talking about the casual, I hate using that, casual gamers. The gamers that just like to play the games, they don't follow the industry. I They're don't mostly know. like the disengaged the gamers. The disengaged. I don't know if they know the difference between something like this and another game that, you know, is just publicly out. Or like Borderlands 3. It's coming to Epic, right? Do they know that there's a difference there and that Borderlands 3 might not be considered unfair? Does that make sense? I don't know if I'm making sense here, but it's kind of like saying one thing is unfair. I'm wondering how many people are taking that. It's unfair. It's unfair. And running with that and applying it to every single case from now on yeah Yeah. no i think that that's a decent case like i i do wonder if they hadn't sort of got off on the wrong foot with metro exodus if people would still be upset like 
or if it is really just they kind of stumbled out of the gate with it. And so now it's just a snowball rolling down a hill and people are piggybacking off of that one case and being like, it's bad because they did this one thing kind of poorly. Uh, and therefore all of it is bad, which I right. disagree with. Yeah, so I put a link in our show notes, and I'm going to uh, tell you guys as well, if you want some more context about everything that's happening, Nathan Grayson over at Kotaku wrote a really great article that summarizes a lot of these issues titled, Why People Are So Mad About the Epic Game Store. And he actually published this batch back in April of this year, and he does a really fantastic job of laying out exactly the key talking points for a lot of the community members. But he also does a really thorough job of going through the conspiracy conspiracy theories and the rumors about Epic Game Store, including their spyware, their data usage, uh, selling information to the Chinese government, Tencent's involvement, and really debunking a lot of these um, colloquial, not colloquial, like conventional wisdom ideas about the difference between Epic Game Store and Steam, which are true and which just flat out are fake rumors. Um, so I really highly encourage you, if you are personally invested and you have stirrings of anger inside your chest right now as you're listening <laughs> to me say stop being upset about epic game store exclusivity and you're like god damn it andrea i tried to explain to you why i'm so mad about it um, first of you all might- you should go you know take a deep breath and then calm download calm <laughs> Down- download the calm at a calm.com slash what's good um but I, I I definitely think it's worth checking out, um, again, why people are so mad about the Epic Game Store on Kotaku.com from, from Nathan Grayson um, is a really great breakdown of everything that's been happening. And in that, they actually have a link to the current roadmap that Epic put out to kind of highlight the features that they want to add into the Epic Game Store over time, which ones they have added and which ones are on the horizon and w- what the timeline kind of looks at. Um, because they made that public. They're like, hey, obviously we know we're missing a crap ton of features that Steam has and we're working on it and this is the kind of timeline as to what we're doing. It's just like it's – I feel like every time this story gets brought up, I feel like a broken record saying – Yo, it's of course not complete at launch. Very few games are complete at launch, let alone a digital marketplace. Now, if anybody has the means to get it done, it's epic. Clearly, they have a a bunch of money. I think the underlying reason why they're doing what they're doing with the Epic Game Store is sound. I love the idea that they're trying to put more money in the pockets of the people who make the games and that they're also doing cool incentive programs like the uh, Epic Game Store creator program where streamers and YouTube creators who make content around these games can also get a tiny piece of the sale instead of that money going back to the platform. Valve doesn't care about any of that. No. Has, you know what I mean? So... And another, like an anecdote about Tim Sweeney, in case you're like, you know what, I don't know who this clown is. I don't know if I trust him. He's got billions of dollars. He's got (laughs) God knows whatever fucking cars up his wazoo. I don't know. He actually bought a a forest with some of his money. That's exactly what I was going to bring up. So, yeah. So in November of 2008, he bought 1,500 acres uh, of North Carolina wilderness so that he could keep it undeveloped because people were like looking to develop this land he's gone he's bought a lot of land in north carolina to help uh conserve it and prevent it from being all turned into parking lots strip malls strip malls (laughs) yes so like 
That's the kind of guy Tim Sweeney is, to give you some context. So when he says things like, we are out here for the developers, I, w- I tend to believe him. And if Steimer believes some PR, PC stuff like that, I mean, I think that speaks for itself. There you She's go. the first one to call people on their bullshit. I am. It's true. It's true. <laughs> um, obviously, this is not the last we'll hear nah. from the Epic Game Store's ongoing battle with Valve and Steam. But I thought this was uh, an interesting thing that to bring up. And hopefully, if you are affected by this and you're mad and upset about Epic exclusivity, go knock on Valve's door. Maybe send them letters. Start a petition to make Steam change their developer revenue split. And then the pain will stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, on that, and on that note, let's take our first break of the show. When we come back, we're going to talk about what we've been playing. It's going to be a good one. Stick with us, everybody. We'll see you in a minute. Good, everybody. Welcome to segment two of the What's Good Games podcast. This is where we talk about what we've been playing, which video games we have hands-on impressions with. And this week, it's brought to you by DoorDash. Did you have a long day at work? Maybe a tough day at school? Or maybe you're still stuck at the office? Well, treat yourself to the meal you deserve on demand from your favorite restaurant because restaurants come to you with DoorDash. DoorDash connects you with your favorite restaurants in your city. And ordering is easy. Just use the DoorDash app and choose what you want to eat and a dasher will bring it to you anywhere you are. Not only is that burger place you love on DoorDash already, but over 310,000 other amazing restaurants are too. DoorDash connects you with door-to-door delivery in over 3,300 cities in all 50 states and even Canada. Order from your local go-tos or or choose from your favorite chains like Chipotle, Wendy's, or the Cheesecake Factory, which happens to be a personal favorite in the Drake household. I always Mm. try to say, John can't get enough of that factory chopped salad. And who can't be bothered to get all those ingredients in the store? Me. I ain't making a chopped salad at home. That's why we've got DoorDash. And finally, at E3, we got to experience Steimer's DoorDash of choice. Oh, God. Pie hole. Mac and cheese pie. I ordered it this weekend. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i actually looked through my doordash app and i was it was like pie hole pie hole pie hole pie hole and i was like i texted it to jack and i was like i think i have a problem and she said well at least you skipped the month of may <laughs> oh there the you month go of may, i didn't order from pie hole but uh nice. i've had almost at least one order every month since then or like it, it, this year Good for you. Hey, no judgment. Sometimes you just want to take a break from cooking. And a shout out and thank you to Miss Ayel for hooking us up with that pie hole at E3. Mm. Um, But if you guys want some pie hole or Cheesecake Factory Mm -hmm. or Chipotle or whatever whatever you are craving at this very moment, you guys need to go to DoorDash app and put in the promo code what's good. That'll get you $5 off your first order of $15 or more. All you have to do again is download the DoorDash app and put in the promo code what's good for $5 off your first order. One more time, promo code what's good for $5 off your first order Mm. from DoorDash. I'm Mm, hungry. Mac and cheese pie. That sounds good. I'm hungry. So this week, Britt and I have played the same game. <gasps> ah, I'm so excited to hear you talk about this and hear how you liked it. 
Lol. I got oh. a preview when we were doing some oh, no. other stuff. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah, so how about... have a drink. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So Brittany's going to take a swig. So the game that we're talking about is the Cadence of Hyrule. So for people who are unfamiliar, this is the team behind Crypt of the Necrodancer, and they essentially put a Zelda skin on top of Crypt of the Necrodancer. So this is a top-down roguelite beat matching, sort of? Yeah. Um, so essentially, it's like it looks like top-down traditional Zelda, and you can play as Zelda, Link, or Cadence, and you get to go around Hyrule. And the key to moving around the map is you have to move on the beat. Now, not every section requires you to move on the beat, but most of them do. And it's a grid-based. And so when I was playing with a pro controller hooked up to my television, the game was like, hey, we see you're playing with the left thumbstick. You might want to try using the, the D-pad. And I was like, Wait, I'm not sucking that bad. Am I? Uh, spoilers, I was sucking that bad. Happens. Um, so... Wait, so What's what happens play? if you don't move on the beat? Does it damage you? Yes, so you lose hearts. Oh. So you have hearts in your traditional Zelda fashion. And so if you move off of the beat, you get you take damage. Wait. And if you Really? I had never me- took damage from missing the beat. I just got a little uh, like a miss mark that said I missed. Right, but did you try missing several steps in a row? Oh yeah, I was rough for a hot minute there. Yeah, no, I died a lot. No, I understand that this is a roguelike. And that the idea is that you die a lot because it's a roguelike. But I just got really frustrated, I think, because I maybe was just trying to move through the first couple of tiles too fast. Mm. And I don't know. I'm I'm split between whether I'm upset that they didn't have an easier onboarding for the first couple of tiles, the first couple of levels, essentially, or if I just needed to like slow down and take my time and start to learn. I, I'm i still, the jury's still out whether how I feel about it, but I did rage quit the first time I tried it. Oh no, uh, appropriate. <laughs> because I was like, this game is stupid. <laughs> like, what? This is so surprising to me because I'm the one who typically like, I don't do beat games, rhythm games. You're, you're like the yeah. rhythm queen. So something about it just didn't flow, huh? It Literally. wasn't the ryth- it wasn't the rhythm part. The music in this game is awesome. Yeah. The music's so good. And I love the idea of it. The idea that you can play I'm playing as, you know, Princess Zelda and I'm moving around and I have to like tap, 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 tap on the beat to to move across. And I think it's really unique that the enemies all have different beat-based attacks so and then they like one enemy will raise their arm before they attack or they'll blink before they attack or whatever right and that they all have kind of a unique set of moves that are all tied to the beat of whatever section that you're in i think that that's really an interesting concept However, <laughs> there's no difficulty settings there's no difficulty slider you can turn the beat matching off mm-hmm. meaning you can move around the world without being tied to the beat but the enemies are still tied to the beat of the music and their attacks are so you still have to be cognizant of what's happening is, with the music that actually Obviously, sounds the, like how i would play it like so, I, just, I think i would get annoyed like trying to traverse with it after a while but with for the enemies i think i'd be okay so for some clarification um like andrea said whenever you move into a new tile you there is like the beat going and you have yeah. to move to that to destroy it, kill all the enemies 
And then after you do that, then you can free ball it around. And the enemies don't come back <laughs> unless you die. Um, so then you can just move around however you want. My understanding of taking off the beat system or turning it on is it works kind of like Chocobo's Mystery Dungeon, which is like an older game. But the enemies only move when you move. So then it becomes more of like a tactical ah, sort of thing. It's more of like a dance. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's uh, true. You are leading the dance. You are leading the dance. So. But it can get overwhelming very quickly. By just the third tile, there were like seven or eight enemies all converging on me at once. And I was like, this is way too difficult too quickly. I was really looking for something that would allow me to play for the first like 60 minutes of the game or even maybe the first 30 minutes of the game to let me get accustomed to this because I assume that a lot of people like me didn't spend very much time with Crypt of the Necrodancer, that they are interested in Cadence of Hyrule because The Legend of Zelda is a gigantic franchise that a lot of people have nostalgia and love for, and the music of Zelda is so iconic that they want to try this game out because, you know, Crypt of the Necrodancer obviously had a lot of critical praise and a lot of people love that game. But I think the onboarding was rough chuckles for someone like me who is not very good at roguelikes, um, and who just was not prepared for how difficult it was. So I admittedly played co-op, and that's way easier. So you can... Yes, I didn't do that, and we should have played together. You have to play co-op, because, okay, some highlights. Like I've said, I don't like roguelike or roguelite games. If a game is one of those things, there's like a 99% chance I'm not even going to touch it. But if it's a Legend of Zelda thing, of course, I'm going to be all over it. You're um, going to touch it. Going to touch it. So Jason and I, we played this through. You can you can finish it in like five to six hours. I think we did more around seven because we explored everything and uncovered all the secrets, got all the heart containers, all the items, all that stuff. Um, we only died once, and that was at the very, very end. It, that's when it got like really wow. difficult. But, wow, you only died once? But this is why, though. because when So as long as one of you is alive, you can go to one of those little shrine things and revive your friend. Because at the beginning... He got the beat, no problem. But I was the one who was, like, missing everything, and I'm getting, like, spit in the head with Deku nuts from the goddamn... Anyway, so he played as Zelda. I played as Link. And, yeah, it it worked out better. We know who wears the pants in the family. I mean, absolutely. I'm the goddamn (laughs) hero of time. Thank you very much. (laughs) I'm the goddamn hero of time. So, yeah, like, if you're going to play this game, like, it's way more difficult if you're playing one person. But if if you can play co-op, it eases up the difficulty a lot. Um, and it sounds, you know, because of the reasons I mentioned, you can revive whenever you want. I mean, you have to, like, someone has to leave the screen. And what's good about this game, it's roguelite in the sense that you can explore everything. And if you die, the places you've explored are still uncovered and you still keep your key items. You do lose rupees and temporary, like, weapons, like, last weapons and stuff like that, I think is what it is. Um, so it's a little bit more forgiving. And I have heard from people, because I didn't play Crypt of the Necrodancer, but people have have said this is much more forgiving. Which mm. makes sense. And I wonder, Andrea, because you never played A Link to the Past, did you? I Super Nintendo. started it, but I never finished it. I probably played a couple of hours. Okay, because there are areas that if you just like wander into there, you're going to get your butt kicked. So I don't know which way you played, but when we played, you know, we went to an area where like, okay, this is way too difficult. We backtracked and tried a different tile where it was a little bit more manageable to start with. And then by clearing the areas, you find heart pieces, you find better weapons... Because um, it is kind of Metrobania in that sense, where there's a different, there's a whole bunch of different ways to solve puzzles. But the more you explore before you do a, t- a temple or a dungeon, you know you have more 
you have much more in your arsenal and it makes your life a lot easier. Um, but anyway, that was my experience playing it. But I, I fucking love this game. I am, I, oh my God, it was so good. It feels like a Nintendo, it feels like Nintendo made this game. If you had told me that Nintendo had made this game, I would have 100% have believed you because it has a lot of the staples of why I love Zelda. You know, it has the items that you can find, the staple boomerang, the, the, the rods from Link to the Past. It has the bow. It has the bottles. It has the hook shot. It has so many things. And then it has that sense of exploration and light puzzles. That's also really fun. That kind of reminds me of the stuff from Breath of the Wild, where it's like, okay, you have stuff in your arsenal. You have to figure out the best way to do it. Um, and the music, like you said, is just so fucking good. And it reminds me of a link to the past. Obviously, like the beat part of it and the rhythm part of it, it's not my favorite, but I feel like I got used to it and it worked once I went to finally clicked. I'm like, okay, because it is like a Zelda light. The temples and the dungeons are maybe like three or four screens. They're very small. But when you have a traversal system like this, it can't be this huge elaborate dungeon, right? Um, it had bombable walls, which is like another staple. Anyway, I just played this game and I, I was just like freaking out the whole time. I think Jason got really annoyed with me because I was schooling over everything. But again, like I'm a hardcore Zelda he fan. He knows what he married. Yeah, he does. He does. Yeah. I mean, you have the master sword hanging in your living room. I do. So And I do. And it was a good time. Um, and I think that's why it didn't click with me yeah. as much because it does remind me a lot of those old school Zelda games. Mm-hmm. And really, Breath of the Wild is the only game outside of A Link Between Worlds that I really enjoyed in the Zelda franchise. Those old Zelda games, I just that was, they were just not my jam. Yeah. Like this whole idea of like you have to bomb these walls and figure out where this thing is and uncover these hidden things. I, I'm like, nope, no thanks. Oh, yeah. See, like for <laughs> me, that's time. fun. I love that. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's actually really good. That's a good disclaimer. I think if you're a fan of Legend of Zelda, you know, top down, Link to the Past, Link Between Worlds, or maybe even Breath of the Wild, it's, it's a good throwback to Zeldas of old. And it's a really good overall look at why I love the Legend of Zelda series so much. Obviously, I want there to be I would prefer in my ideal game for there to be more depth to it, but this just kind of encompasses a little bit of everything that, everything that I love about the series. So for me, huge hit. But if you're like, what the heck, why am I in Death Mountain already? I just started, I'm a noob. You're going to get your ass kicked and you don't understand that's how it works. Then you're not going to have so much of a great time. And to be clear, I'm not blaming the game for any of this. I'm blaming myself, Blame obviously. Blame the game. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, yeah. That's a good parody. I like it. Thanks. Um, also, that's a deep cut reference that I really appreciate. Yeah. Good job. Got you. Um, I do really love the, like I said, I love the music. And I think what they did with Cadence of Hyrule is super important because it shows that an indie developer can work with a behemoth like Nintendo to make this really cool mashup with a franchise that I think none of us thought we would get like a an indie version of, right? Because mm-hmm. The Legend of Zelda is huge. And so I think it's really cool that Nintendo's going um, out of their way to do cool little projects like this. And I hope that we see more stuff like that in the future. Yeah. And it really shows that Nintendo had a, a, a it shows that Nintendo cared. Like, don't get me wrong. I think, oh gosh, she made Crypt of the Necro Dancer. Um, Brace Yourself idea. Games, I think. I think it's Brace Yourself Games. Trust yourselves. And they're, I'm sure them by, them by themselves, capable of making an awesome game, but this really does have that Nintendo magic to it, and I think that is just a testament to how much Nintendo is probably involved, and it's just good. It's a good thing. Give us Zelda romancing sim. Let's go. Oh, my God. I want wow. to romance all the shark people. Zelda shark oh, yeah. people. <laughs> that 
Allosaurus. <laughs> Do you yes. think Nintendo would ever allow that to happen, though? No. But no, no, but like it would be mm. awesome to do a dream daddy with a few of those people. I was people just thinking that. Did you hear like, that dream daddy's coming to switch? Yeah, baby girl. Yeah, I did. Girl. I did. I'll have some mobile bat dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll just do the voice to myself at like the airport and then everyone around me will be really weirded out. I just envisioned you right. like at night, like in your bed, like some candles lit and just like randomly breaking yeah, out into bat Amanda. dad. <laughs> I think that was her name. Yeah, exactly. It was. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> um, really good. So Steimer, you uh-huh. have been playing you have been playing Dauntless. Yes. A little bit here and there. Um, so I you guys have obviously talked about Dauntless at, at length before. And so I was like, okay, I'll, I finally need to like hop in and try this thing. Number one, fantastic character creator. Mm-hmm. A plus plus. Well done, boys. How and long girls, did you spend? Ladies, gentlemen, all of the people's uh huh. What? How, how long time? did you spend making? You it know, it was a good character creator, so I didn't have to spend that long in it. Oh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm happy with this, and I, I think I was in and out in like 20 minutes, which wow. is pretty, pretty fast for That's me. That is. Good. Yeah. Um, That's what she said. And yeah. <laughs> Anyways, hop into the game. I admittedly was a little confused at first. I was like, wait, what? What the fuck's going on? What am I doing? Okay. <laughs> I, there's, there's a monster. I stabby stab, 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 stab. Um, and what I actually really appreciate about this game, as I was playing it, I definitely see what you guys have said before about how it's, you know, it's monster huntery, but it's the fat is light. Yes. And I, I literally, I had this thought while I was playing. I was like, this was made by people that have children because like, <laughs> this is one of those perfect. And that's not a bad thing. I love that because I was like, this is the perfect thing where I can come home at like, or people who work a lot to like, come home. And you're like, I'm fucking tired. I don't have the energy to, especially me, like a lot of days, I don't have the energy to come home and play something that requires a lot of attention. Like I cannot do a story thing because I might get too sucked into it and then I'm going to, I'm going to screw up my sleep schedule. And so Dauntless is like the perfect jump in, do a few things and get out. And I appreciate that so, so much, especially in sort of the gaming landscape that we have where everyone is like, you must stay in this world for three f- hours at a time. And you're like, I don't have three hours. I have like 30 minutes. Please help me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, hats off to you, Dauntless folks, because I think that, that it's so nice to have an option of like some really good, fun, bite-sized gaming. Uh, I don't know. Options. No, I, yeah, I'm with you. I think the team at Phoenix Labs did a really fantastic job with... Uh, the onboarding when they went public with their launch. Obviously, they had been in beta for quite some time. And they it seems like they've resolved most of the launch woes that they had with their queuing system. I know <laughs> during launch week, it was pretty bad. With queues are always queues bad were. at the beginning. It's true. Servers take, um, take a minute to figure out. <laughs> but I'm excited to play more in, in Dauntless. I haven't spent nearly enough time with the game, but... The way that they're setting up their season structure, it feels like they're really building a long, um, you know, long tail for where Dauntless can go. Yeah. I also t- I tweeted. Uh, it was just a stupid joke of like, oh, I'm so ugly compared to everybody else because I have like the hideous starter oh, your armor. armor. Yeah, and everybody else has like the nicer armor. <laughs> but like then some people tweeted me were like, oh, the- I believe that is part of the progression of the game. And I was like, obviously. Oh, duh. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I got it. This is a joke. <laughs> cool. Okay, Thanks. Bye. I have no Thanks, idea bye. what I'm doing. Yeah. 
was like, lol. Did you get mansplained about your armor and Dauntless? I did. I did get mansplained a few times about how armor works in Dauntless, and I'm well wow. aware of how it works. You're like, um, hello, thousand hours in Guild Wars over here. Yeah, I think I think out of everyone, I I, I know how armor works in video games, <laughs> especially cosmetic armor. <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad that you brought up Monster Hunter because I did get a chance to jump into the Monster Hunter yeah. World Iceborne beta that happened for PlayStation Plus users last weekend. And this weekend, if you guys are interested, all PlayStation Plus, no, excuse me, all PS4 owners can download the Monster Hunter World Iceborne beta. And I had a really good time with it. I was a little disappointed by how they structured the beta, meaning you could do three different hunts, but at the end of each hunt, you don't get to go back to the hub world, which I guess it makes sense. Like they wouldn't want to build that into the beta, but it dumps you to this really aggressive pre-order screen. Oh, It's like pre-order Monster Hunter World Iceborne. Oh boy. It's like... Obviously, I own the game. Like, I'm going to buy the expansion. That's why I'm playing the beta. Um, It just felt a little, like, too on the nose, a little too pushy. But it's a free beta, so I guess I just got to shrug it off. But (laughs) the gameplay itself was fun, just echoing everything I said during our E3 episode and really looking forward to customizing my weapons and customizing my armor and seeing all the different things you can do. And really, I want to see how big this world is that they've added because the beta only showed a couple of different things um three different hunts as i mentioned but uh i'm looking forward to to playing more gotta get you in steimer can i just play dauntless because it's like real (laughs) real easy to hop in and out of yes you can okay i will say i hopped into the beta at e3 and i was really surprised how quickly i picked it up i i I, in my head i have it it's just more like well maybe it won't but in my head i always feel like it requires it will require, I don't know, a lot a more lot. effort. No, for sure. I totally understand because that's the way I was feeling too. But when I hopped back into Monster Hunter, I'm like, oh, this isn't so bad. It's mm. it's really not. I think what's just stuck with me was when I initially started playing that game and you have all these menus and these systems and everything's like buried. And it's like, oh my God, what's happening? But uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't as bad as I had remembered. So. That's good. Yeah. I don't know if I agree with you, Brittany, but that's okay. Really? Well, I'll, but okay, you're, I should clarify. All I played was, I just did a few fights, and they told us what to do and how to do it. I didn't have to sift through menus and menus and menus. And they had your inventory box all filled you're up right. with everything yeah. and all that stuff. You could, yeah. So maybe, they were like, here's this game on easy mode, but this is the easy mode is someone is standing behind you telling you what to with do. With a developer cheat code that they've actually, entered yeah. into He's the like, system. like, okay, use this, that, and the other. Okay, so then maybe I'm totally invalid here, but there you go. Not to say that the game isn't great, but it's it took me like a solid 20 hours of Monster Hunter to get comfortable with the game, and Dauntless is definitely way easier oh, yeah. to jump into. Yes. Uh, but that's the... That's the appeal of it, right? That's the appeal of a game like Dauntless is like, if you are the type of player, like Steimer said, you go like, I got 30 minutes to play this game and that's it. Um, Dauntless is probably a better option for you because I love how deep the systems are in Monster Hunter World. It's a very classic, hardcore role-playing game in that sense that has really awesome combat as well but it requires a time commitment to get comfortable but that's what's rewarding about the systems is that once you learn them and start to master them it's um it's it's almost got like a tangible uh feel good to it where you're like ooh, i feel so badass right now like any good rpg you know when you get 
past that 30, 40, 50 hour mark Ugh. and you're like really like rolling. So you're just like, I destroy everything. Yeah. I will slay all the monsters. Yes, pretty much. But Brittany. Yes. Last week, we did not get to talk about judgment. <gasps> so I would love to hear all of your thoughts <sighs> on what you've been playing. I am with judgment. in love with this game. So this is a game developed by, I had to write it down, Ryu Gagotoko, Gotuku Studio. Whatever. Anyway, published by Sega. It came out in December. Good effort. Good effort. I, I tried. It, it sounds okay in my head. And then as soon as I try to speak it, it's just like all gobbledygook. gobbledygook. Anyway, it just released, I think, a couple days ago, uh, the 25th of June. And it was out early last week if you had the digital pre-order. But this is a game that is a spinoff off of the Yakuza series. Now, any of you ladies, are you familiar with that at all? Have you guys played yeah, it? Yeah, of course. I yeah. have watched. I watched Greg play it back in the day. Okay. So those are beefy games. Those are like 40 to 60 hour games. And I'm 22 hours into this game right now. And I looked at my completion percentage and I'm at like 19.6%. Oh, my. Oh, boy. This is going to be a time sequence. There's a lot of judgment here. There's a lot of judgment here. So basically, if you played any of the Yakuza games, you'll feel right at home. This game takes place in the fictional city of Kamurucho. Kamurucho, I think is what it's called. Kamurucho. There we go. Um, and you play as Takami Yagami, a former lawyer who has had some shit happen to him. And he's kind of like, I'm giving this up. I'm just going to go be a private detective now. And I'm not going to be able to pay my rent very well. I'm just going to take some jobs and use some of my ties within the Yakuza and my friends in the law agencies and try to like get by and live my life. So the first You never go to the Yakuza. That's a bad idea. It's a bad thing. It's yeah. It's just like it never really ends well. So the first 10 or so hours of this game were, or I would say probably more like eight, were very streamlined in the sense that you, it's like, okay, mission, mission, mission. You can run around the city if you want and talk to people, but it's mostly like you go here, you do this, you do that. And then after that mark is when it really opened up. And that's when you get all of the side quests. That's when you get all of these side activities. And you can do these whenever, but you know, like the darts, there's pinball, there's an arcade. Um, and then all of the side quests open up and then that's when you're like, oh my God. And so I'm, like I said, 22 hours in and I've been doing all the side quests that pop up and I still haven't unlocked some of the game's mechanics that I know are coming that are going to be another huge time sink. But other than that, I am just absolutely in love with this game. It's so fun. It has that cheesy action flick, silly vibe that the Yakuza series is known for. And it's done so well and the characters are so fun and entertaining and they're so unique and it's so quirky for example there's a side mission where there's it's called the twisted trio i think it's three men who are just like perverts and one of them is called the panty thief or he has an actual name but in order to finish the side quest you have to go buy a pair of lacy red panties from a store and then you have to lure him out and then you have to like he uses his drone to pick up the panties and then you have to go follow him and then you have to beat the shit out of him and it's like, it's just so quirky and silly. It, it's one of those things that Yakuza can get, or Judgment can get away with because that's just kind of its charm. It never takes itself too seriously. And I just play it and I just have so much fun. The hours just go by. And it, it's cool because I'm currently learning Japanese. And so it's fun to kind of walk around the town and read all the signs. And I'm actually like picking up some of the little like quirks that people say and some of the culture there. And it's just awesome. It's just a really fun game. And if you've never played a Yakuza game before, you can hop right in. This is a standalone thing. In fact, the next Yakuza game is going to be revealed on July 10th. And it's a also a brand new game within the series. So there's 
I hate saying this because it's so cliche. It's something you hear on every E3 stage, but there's never been a better time to get into the series. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because I did. I always watched and I was like, I feel like I would enjoy this game. Probably not for the length that it is, Mm -hmm. Um, but I would, you know, I would definitely get my my money's worth, quote unquote, out of these types of games. And I did enjoy the style and humor of the older, the other Yakuza games that I've watched. So when I saw you tweeting about Judgment, I was like, Maybe I'll finally give this a try. Again, I can't see myself spending 80 hours in this game, but Mm -hmm. I could definitely probably do, you know, 30. Yeah. And I think something it's something I really do like about it is it is you can pick it up and put it down because the missions are, you know, shortly broken down. They're not very long missions usually. And the game is broken into chapters. And every time you finish it, every time you finish a chapter... It's what I, you just when you said that I was like, oh right, I played more Rage Two and completely fucking forgot about it. Well, yeah, you texted me and you're like, hey, Rage Two's getting boring. Maybe I can play. Oh, did I text you about it? Yeah. yeah, I did text you about it. Yeah. yeah. All right, my brain's um, garbage, but it's okay. But the missions are relatively short, so you can pick it up, do like a few missions at a time, set it down. The story is pretty cohesive, and it does a good job at reminding you what you're doing or like why you're doing it. There's lots of detailed quest info so if you find yourself like okay well who's this person again it's that information's all easily accessible it kind of reminds me it's like 99 okay it's like 95 percent yakuza and like five percent ace attorney because there's awesome. yeah so there's like i say five percent because you can't really screw up but you know you are collecting evidence you are presenting evidence in some cases and um it, it's it's just a really good time it's just really fun to play and i'm having an awesome time with it Cool. I'm glad to hear. I'm glad you're having fun. Yeah. I have to admit this game was definitely not on my radar. The last time I saw this game was at Tokyo Game Show last fall when it was really just starting to make the media rounds. But uh, Yakuza also was never really my thing. But mm-hmm. I'm glad that you're having fun. I do love that they have all these really dumb mini games oh, <laughs> inside God. their games i'm always like what the heck why is this a thing that you can do in a video game so silly. why not and the, exactly yeah it why has not? like the perfect almost sim aspect to it which is really nice it's a good way to unwind because you just get to wander around the town and there's characters that you can befriend i think there's 50 total and to befriend wow. them you have to do some missions or you have to eat some of their food at their restaurants or whatnot um and so it's a good way just to kind of like wander around and just enjoy the sights of the town and typically games like this i'm not super into it because of like i don't like i don't like cities and i don't like trees in video games but for some i think it's the neon and the culture and just how upbeat this town is it really comes alive and uh, i would highly highly recommend it and if you like i said earlier if you're like i've never played a yakuza game before it doesn't matter it's you can hop right into this what's interesting too i don't know if you ladies remember this but back in march of 2019 there's a japanese actor who was the face of one of the antagonists in the game and he had to, the game had to get pulled from shelves because he was suspect, suspected of cocaine use. Oh, I remember this. This, this became a huge deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. And in Japan, that's a big no-no. And so they had to completely recast him and redo his likeness and the voice acting and everything before they would put the game back on shelves. So, yeah, that I remember a, that. I, I can't imagine that team, that poor team being like, God damn it couldn't you at least have kept it a little more just on the for a DL? few more months yeah just until <laughs> this game is yeah like god bah. yeah i'd be so annoyed the new yeah, actor's great stupid actors yeah i know need their drugs well you got to do the cocaines yeah answer you don't no yep that's right 
answer. You don't. Uh, don't do drugs, kids. You heard it here. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So I guess we are not talking about rage then because time well, is bored. <laughs> well, it's funny. So the, the shitty part is so before E3, I was playing Rage 2 and then I got to a boss battle I was not expecting. I was like, well, I'll just leave this here and I, I'll go do E3 now. I went to go do E3 now. And then I came back to it and I was playing on normal. And I came back to it and I was like, oh, right. I'm in the middle of a boss battle. And also, I didn't know there would be a boss battle. So I have no health packs and I have nothing like I have no supplies to make more. I was just like shit out of luck. And uh, I was just like, all right, well, uh, I guess I'm fucked here. And I couldn't remember how to play anything either. I was like, how do I switch my fucking gun? Like, how do I do anything? Oh, God. So like it took definitely took a few rounds of like remembering all of the buttons and what everything does. And then I had to crank it down to easy in order to even make it through because I was just like, I legit, I have, I don't want to, I could do this. I don't feel like doing it. So I'm just going to put it down on easy and crank through and figure it out. So I've been playing it on easy um, now because I'm just like, you know what? I don't, I've played half of it on normal. I'm, no I'm, shame. I'm fine with that. No shame. Baby I'll ass play, baby mode. I'm baby ass baby moding it the rest of the way and I'm almost done. Uh, so, Are you still listening to the podcast while you play? I'm not. I probably should again because I was honestly still getting a little a little bored because shooters, just first person shooters in general, I tend to tune out on. I need probably a little more stimulation happening because this time when I was playing I did was I was like maybe I should listen to the story and what people are doing <laughs> and then I was like I'm don't care I, <laughs> I don't care about any of this <laughs> maybe uh, so yeah I think when I go to finish that game I'll probably just turn on a podcast and blast shooting people is very fun yeah and like using your powers and shit is very fun so the gameplay is really fun I just like the tying it all together is kind of what's missing for me sure we should play Judgment. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you, there you go. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our hands-on segment for this week. We're going to take one last break of the show. When we come back, we're going to take your Dear WGG questions. And let me tell you, there's some uh, there's some pretty good ones this week. Oh, Thanks so much to everybody who wrote in. Uh, so if you guys want to hear some really fun questions including potentially an appearance by brit's british accent oh boy stick stick with us we'll be right back what's good everybody welcome back to the what's good games podcast it is the third and final segment this is our feature segment and this week we're going to be taking your questions in dear wgg we've got quite an amazing variety of questions this week but before we get to that i have to tell you that this segment is brought to you by grammarly thank you to grammarly for supporting what's good games grammarly of course is a communication tool that helps people improve their writing to be mistake free clear and effective they encourage everyone even the best students and top professionals to use grammarly to do their best work and accomplish even more of their goals grammarly is a writing assistant that makes you look and sound smarter easily improve yourself and your communication at school work and almost anywhere with grammarly they help people show their best self through writing and are available across platforms including excuse me including online browser extensions desktop editor and even a mobile keyboard checker grammarly is available on multiple browsers and platforms and their free product reviews critical spelling and grammar 
obviously, they're Grammarly. But Grammarly Premium looks out for spelling, grammar plus, advanced punctuation, structure, style within context, vocabulary suggestions, conciseness, and readability for different occasions. For example, are you writing a business proposal versus an academic essay? Or maybe you're just doing a casual blog post. Or maybe you're writing a description for a podcast that you're going to post on youtube.com slash what's good games like we do. I use Grammarly Premium for that. And let me tell you, it is a lifesaver. What's really crazy about my use with Grammarly Premium is I think I said this the first time we talked about it. I didn't realize how often I was using repeat words in emails. And that's something that Grammarly Premium checks for. They're like, hey, did you know that you've used the word literally, literally (laughs) 10 times in this email? Whoops. (laughs) You're like, I'm trying to make a point. (laughs) I'm like, my bad. But Grammarly Premium is here to help. So you guys can go to Grammarly.com slash what's good to get 20% off your premium account today. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y.com slash what's good to get 20% off your Grammarly Premium account today. And who doesn't want to sound smarter and at 20% off? Grammarly.com slash what's good. The first question in our Dear WGG segment comes from Molly. 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 And don't forget, you can write into whatsgoodgames.com slash Dear WGG at literally any time. It's open to everybody around the world. Mm-hmm. Molly asks, have you ever put down a game, then come back to it later and love it? This just happened to me in DQ11. Dragon no, Quest. I was I was gonna make a joke about Dairy Queen. Ooh, oh, now I want a blizzard. I want a oh. blizzard. Blizzard. Mm. Get a dilly bar or maybe a dipped cone. Mm. Um, I put it down last year at forty hours and then started it again a few weeks ago, and now I'm at a hundred hours and I can't stop. Damn playing. girl, it's so good. So, uh, ladies, have you ever put down a game, then come back later and discovered how much you truly love it? <sighs> honestly when i put a game down i usually don't go back to it unfortunately i've tried like so Catherine was a good example of a mm-hmm. game i put down and tried to go back to and just couldn't fucking play it because i was like i have forgotten all of the moves i don't remember anything about how i'm supposed to move these stupid blocks around uh so no unfortunately i have not had this experience but i wish it would happen to me I tend not to come back to a game that I've put down because by that point, I found whenever I do go back to it, I've forgotten what's happening in the story, who the characters are, and then I just don't even want to fuss with it. Um, Dragon Quest Eleven is a game that I put down around 80 hours in, and I never ended up coming back and finishing it because even if, even if I did, I feel like I'm toward the end of that game, and I feel like the peak moments and the climaxes would fall flat because I'm like, why should I care about this? But the one game that I do think about was in 2000... And nine, I started a little game called Mass Effect and I played it for a few hours and it did not grab me whatsoever. I was just like not feeling it. So I set it down for, oh, I don't know, maybe a year or something, maybe even a little longer. And then I came back to it. Maybe it was you, Steimer, who got me like excited. I think I would have. Yeah, I would have harassed you until you played it. Yeah. And then I started playing it. And then obviously ever since then, I've just been hooked. So that's probably a good example. But I've never really set down a game that I was halfway through and then came back and, like, finished playing it. Unless it's a game I've already played before or if it's a game like Mario on Super Nintendo or something like that. What about you, Andrea? 
So I have a couple examples, but the the better example, I would say, is The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Mm-mm. So when that game first came out on Nintendo Switch, obviously a launch title, everybody was very excited about it. Um, I like started a game and played about a couple of hours and was just like, oh, it's Zelda. I remembered I don't like this. <laughs> and, so, and so I set it down and then I was like, okay. And Andrea, everybody is talking about this. Literally everybody, their cousin and their dog and their dog's cousin. Their dog's talking cousin. about <laughs> the legend of, of Zelda. And you just have to do it. You just have to play it. So later in the fall, when we were getting close to game of the year discussions, uh, probably like around November, because this game came out in like February or March, March maybe. Yeah. 2017. I was like, all right, I got to play. So I picked it up and I got hooked and I was not expecting to get hooked in the way that I did. And I ended up finishing it before Brittany did, which I thought was shocking. I know. It's, <laughs> um, and I understand that you, you know, were having, you know, a very I have emotions. time with uh, with your number one video game, Bay. But I mean, that's nice I, the way to put it. I just I didn't love the game that much. But, you know, you can say that, too. It's yeah. fine. No, but that's, I think, why I loved it because it was such a departure right. from traditional Legend of Zelda gameplay, which is what you love and I didn't love. So this is why it called to me and I was mm-hmm. like, ooh, Breath of the Wild is pretty cool. I'm into it. Um, and so that was definitely a game that I did not expect to sink that many hours into. And I certainly didn't expect to go on as much exploration as I did, like wanting to uncover parts of the map and going to seek things out. Because you could fast track that game if you want to. Oh, just yeah. do all the divine beasts and go straight to to Ganon it, but you know what's what's the fun of that right there's no fun get some, go get some Korok seeds <laughs> oh god no <laughs> get the little maraca dance from the big <laughs> oh he's so cute he is cute um, but yeah that was definitely a game for me so uh, good question Molly yeah um, so this next question is from Sasha, Sasha. this is my favorite <laughs> Brittany and this. Andrea and Renee. I think she meant and Steimer. <laughs> I, I like that I'm like, no longer a person, but you, you are, are now. People. You are now, now Renee. Renee now. Uh, don't worry, Sasha. You're forgiven. It happens to us all. Um, but she says, especially um, or or he. I don't know your pronouns. I apologize. Especially RPG fan Brittany. How excited are you for Baldur's Gate three? I can't wait to see what Divinity Original Sin team does with that series of course uh sasha's referring to larian studios the people behind divinity original sin uh britney is obviously a giant fan of that game she talked about that and uh original sin too many times on this show uh what do you think brit i am so incredibly excited i've only slightly dabbled in the Baldur's gate universe growing up never really as much of a pc player but i did play Baldur's gate dark alliance and dark alliance 2 on ps2 which i know is a pretty big uh, departure from the PC game. So I did dab a little bit PC back in the day, blah, blah, blah. So I'm not going to pretend to know all the lore about Baldur's Gate. But everything Larian Studios touches lately just turns into gold. They are just so talented at what they do, and I cannot think of a better team to lead the way on such a beloved franchise. And there's a lot of weight behind this. You know, this is going to be... This isn't like it's their own original IP, right? Baldur's Gate has such a large following or such a passionate following and I'm just really excited to see what they do with it and how they put their own little Larian twist on it. And I'm, I just can't wait. This game is like not coming out anytime soon, sadly. But that's okay. PC Gamer has a really great article up. If you want to know, like, what is what do we all know about Baldur's Gate 3 right now? They had a little interview with Larian. And there's a lot of good info on there. Stuff I don't understand. I'm not going to pretend to understand. 
some weird lore shit, but yeah. If you also want to learn about Baldur's Gate 3, y- your very own Andrea Renee has an interview with Larry in studio and Wizards of the Coast um, on the Facebook gaming page, uh-huh. and I will tweet that out. But what was really interesting was hearing the perspective from the team at Wizards of the Coast, because this is clearly based on D&D lore, and mm-hmm. they talked about how they're focusing on you know the fifth generation of rule set for Baldur's Gate 3 and what that means, bringing a classic pen and paper RPG like D&D and Dungeons and Dragons into a, a, a video game in 2019. Because obviously Wizards of the Coast has their own games that they're working on, but a much different style of game than what Baldur's Gate is. And so I really think it's awesome that Wizards of the Coast is so involved in what Larian is doing because clearly they had to give their blessing. <laughs> and um, talking to the team from Larian about how they got involved and synced up with Wizards of the Coast was a really fun discussion. So if you guys are interested, obviously check out the PC Gamer article as well because it's a much more in-depth written article. We only had about 15 to 20 minutes to talk to the team, so I didn't get to ask as many questions as I would have liked. But um, Larian will not do a bodge job which means a poor job in British slang. They're going to do a great job. Yeah. Not a bad job. Oh, Look at you. Yeah. Wait, did you, did you say your... bodge yeah. with a G and B-O- not botched? B-O-D-G-E. Bodge oh. job. This is a super random but like fun story. When Jason and I first landed in London, uh, Jason was wearing that day his Larian Studios t-shirt that we got from some PAX event that we went to. Whenever we go over there, we know the team really well. We all like chit-chat, say hi to Swin and all that spin and all that good stuff. When we landed and we were walking to get our luggage, I shit you not, Sven was standing there waiting for someone else wearing the exact same t-shirt as Jason was. Oh, that's so funny. What? Yeah. That's amazing. It's so, it was so random. It was just, I was like, Sven, is that you? And he's like, Brittany, what, what the, f-? and they were wearing the same shirt. He actually uploaded a picture to his Twitter. He took a picture of it. So if you go to his Twitter profile and like, Search around what was I think at the end of May. I didn't retweet yeah. it because I am like so jet lagged and I look like death. But it's a really funny picture. Check it out. Now I'm gonna go. I'm now I'm gonna go find this. Yes, and I will. And and I, find will ret- I will retweet it for you. No, don't. <laughs> please, no, please. It's too late. It's already out on the internet, Brittany. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, let's see here. Um, do you want to do this next one? Yeah, right? Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, Yeah, sure. Okay, so Gabby writes in and says, Hello, I am a new listener, so I'm not sure if or how much you have discussed this topic. What are your views on how women are designed in video games? As a girl gamer, I find myself going back and forth. Sometimes it can be empowering to play as a woman who embraces her sexuality, but other times it is uncomfortable, especially thinking about why a character was designed a certain way and for what audience. For example, as ridiculous as it is, I love Saints Row 4. No one is unscathed, and it is a self-aware game with sexual themes that doesn't take itself too seriously, in my opinion. On the flip side, I don't have a desire to play any of the Grand Theft Auto games because you can't play as a woman in the story mode. And women appear to be set pieces from my perspective on footage and not from gameplay experience. What are your thoughts? So, I mean, I'm the chick. If you saw any of my Guild Wars 2 characters, <laughs> I have bikini armor th- all day. There's uh, not for not for every character. I have my I have. I'm like, OK, my thief. Yeah, she can have the under boob armor or literally like her tit is kind of hanging out. And then, you know, my mage can also be super skimpy. But then I do like my warriors to be, like, in armor. So I think it just kind of depends on what I think you should be doing, like, how it fits. 
Um, and I think it's actually an interesting point. I wouldn't. I don't. I go back and forth on Grand Theft Auto because I've really only played the one uh, five through all the way through, uh, and I think it's all about like intention and how mm-hmm. how it is executed on. So you can have sexual scantily clad whatever characters but it will be really obvious if they are there as like set pieces and i think that honestly even if they are fully clothed in a full armor and are set pieces it's still a problem mm-hmm. um so i think that is really more of what it's about for me versus what they're wearing uh it's about the intention of the character and what their motivations are and what sort of arcs they have and whether or not they're even relevant to the story Nailed i it. agree I think we always talk about agency when it comes to representation of characters in video games, particularly female characters. And I think your example is a perfect uh, set piece for this. You say, this is my rogue. I'm dressing her the way I want to dress her. This is my barbarian. I'm dressing her the way I want to dress her. It's not a character that has a pre-designed outfit and a set of characteristics and personality traits and a role that the creator has chosen and that you or the player are stuck with and you get no say in it whatsoever. And I think that's super important when it comes to representation in games is this idea of I'm choosing to represent my character this way because that's the way that I want it. And I wish more games allowed that. I think we're getting to a much better place because as women we all want to look sexy. We want to feel sexy. There's nothing wrong with being sexy. I think this idea of sex and sexuality has kind of been, you know, taken away from women and they haven't been able to fully embrace it. There's always been a double standard between men and women about being sexual beings. Men are regarded as more powerful for being more sexual, whereas women are not. Women, in fact, are openly demeaned for being more sexual. I mean, this whole idea of slut-shaming comes from the fact that women are taught that they're not allowed to be sexual and feel sexual. And I hope that we get away from that. Clearly, we're making a lot of advancement um, in culture at large. But when it comes to video games in particular, I think because we have so many male voices and male perspectives still dominating the creative side of video games, that we're not going to get as many of those agency-backed characters as I would like to see. But I always use Bayonetta as an example of a of a character who embraces her sexuality and has agency over her sexuality. And it can be super uncomfortable for some players how sexy she is as a character and some of the things that they do with her her literal hair covering her so body. So good. Yep. Um, Magic hair. But I think it's great because you realize how powerful she is as a character versus uh, I'm with you here, Gabby. I also get very uncomfortable with the portrayal of a lot of the female characters in the Grand Theft Auto series. And that's something that I hope that Rockstar will address in the next Grand Theft Auto that they have coming out, which who knows when that will be. But it was one of the reasons why I was excited for a character like Sadie Adler in Red Dead Redemption 2 because she really took that notion of what it means to be a feminine uh, person and said, I'm going to turn it on its head because that's what's good for me. But it doesn't mean that being feminine is bad. I think that that's another key part of this conversation is always to remember that women are allowed to both embrace their masculine and feminine sides and whatever that expression means to you is okay. Amen. And that's my thing too. I don't care if you have huge boobs, small boobs, Thick waist, small waist, like you are a woman and your shape is beautiful. Like, and that's the part that I think 
there some people tend to step outside those bounds and like look at the recent shenanigans with Tifa in Final Fantasy 7, right? In OG Final Fantasy 7, big old boobs. Beautiful. <laughs> I mean, be- she still has big boobs. She does. Yeah, no, big old nice boobs. And there's nothing like she wasn't they created. They just aren't polygonal. <laughs> yeah. And it's like Laura Croft, right? Like they're just not like they don't come to a sharp point at the end. Right, like uh, that's not they're not wearing Madonna cone bras. I mean, did you see Cloud's hands in that game? Oh yeah. Yeah, they're like right. Yeah, they're, they're like giant <laughs> Mickey Mouse gloves. Like no, they're so good. No, it is she is she is such a strong awesome character. I think it's it's kind of sad though when you see other people be like, "Oh, she why are her boobs so big?" It's like, "Well, why can't her boobs be big?" Like there's yes. nothing wrong with that. Like what the pro But it's it's interesting that Square uh, talk with their ethics department and they're like well she should at least have a sports bra it's like yeah that's fair it's, is it necessary that's real that's realistic if she's yeah. jumping around punching people kicking people she ain't gonna be wearing a fucking bikini top and no. she's not wearing a push-up bra no because that shit would be uncomfortable and if, for those of you who don't know how bras work she still has huge boobs like yes it, and that's okay oh. Well, I think my favorite response to this was so once upon a time, uh, Jenna Marbles made a video. I oh, can't I remember lo- exactly, I exactly what the title was, but I think saying. it was like men don't know how boobs work or something. It was along those lines. And Jenna is like, look here, dum dums. This is how sports bras work. They are designed to flatten your chest and keep your boobs from flying in your no, face. Some and d- then she's yeah. like, and but here they are in a bikini and it's the same fucking boobs. But you. They do not look. Yeah, yeah. She has a video Twitter. called "How to How to Trick People into Thinking You Have Big Boobs." Yes, that's not. I don't know if that's the one. That, that might, might be hmm. the the one thing Simon's talking about was a guy was complaining because he was saying how female athletes look like boys because they have they're so flat chested, and she's like, "Listen yeah. here, fucker! Like, you gotta constrict these things." And that's what she was talking about. So yeah, like Simon said, like she was like, "Hey, I'm wearing a sports bra. Like, you know, it doesn't look like I have a lot going on." And then she took it off as wearing bikini. It's like kaboom. She's like, "Hey." Yeah. Science. Yeah. Also, yes. like female athletes have very, very low body fat percentages and <sighs> boobs. Spoilers are all fat cells and like mammary glands. So when you're working out like a badass, like yeah, Olympic athletes are, you have super low body fat, which means your boobs go away. Yeah, and that's what happens. Just, yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. As long as like if you have your female character in there, and you know. Big boobs, small boobs, big ass, small ass. Like, all women are shaped differently. And I think it's awesome that we're seeing more and more representation of different body types in games. And a lot of the female characters we're seeing are badass. And they're like, yeah, I'm a badass and I know it. And they're very human-like. They're not there just to, like, bang into, like, a brothel or something. And that's cool. My favorite thing now on the internet is people getting upset that they think that characters they once wanted to fuck are no longer fuckable. That's my favorite. I love it. I love it so much. Give me your tears. I will feed on <laughs> they them. They don't think they're fuckable. Why? <sighs> because they've apparently changed the character with, model. Apparently girls with small boobs aren't fuckable, Brit. No, Did you yeah, hear? right? Oh, like, damn. People they're, who are mad about I'm Tifa, never getting laid again. <laughs> Andrea, you'll know. Who was the Mortal Kombat character people were mad about? Um, Honestly, I think I might have missed that. Was it Katana? No, I thought it was like... Mm. I want to say Shiva, but that might not be right. <sighs> Something... Like, oh, that might be it. I just literally Googled Mortal Kombat boobs. <laughs> Amazing. Let's see here. It wasn't boobs. It was like, they were Mark. like, she's no longer fuckable. And I was like, okay. Oh, my God. People, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yes, it was Oh, yeah, Shiva. it is Katana. K- Katana trailer oh. confirms she has smaller boobs. No, it wasn't the smaller boobs. It was. I was thinking of Shiva. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, but she was a monster. I know. It doesn't matter. People wanted to fuck this monster before and they were mad that She's now she looks like a monster. She's got fucking arms. What the heck? I mean, people are, they've got, uh, everyone has their kinks. Don't kink shame. Listen, there's a lot of characters <laughs> like I want to fuck too. We've talked about this many times. I wanted to marry Donatello, <laughs> who was a fucking turtle. So like, <laughs> It's true. I have that clip saved. Yes. Ugh. Good talk, I have no place to judge. But I do think it's hilarious, and it makes me laugh every time. Oh, my God. Okay. Losers. <laughs> um, okay. I think we have time probably for one more question here. Hmm. Sh- I think this one's... Wait, which one? I'll say we should just confirm that we will be at PAX West. The people Oh, know. yeah. So Nicole asks, will you be joining us for PAX West? Yes, Avi. <laughs> for sure. Yes. Um, we have submitted for another What's Good Games Live panel. Uh, we have not received confirmation yet, but we hope and pray that the fantastic folks at Penny Arcade will once again invite us back to do our panel um, at PAX. If for some we- reason they say no, we're still going to PAX. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we will be throwing a What's Good Games meetup. Obviously, we are still several weeks away from PAX West. So working out those details, but we'll have more info on that uh, once we get into the month of August and get a little bit closer to the show. But definitely we'll be at PAX West. Um, how about uh, how about this one? This one? What do you think? I mean, uh, sure, we can try it. Let's give it a go. Yeah. <laughs> give it a go. Because I like the... Here, I'm going to read it because I like the name. Okay. Okay. <laughs> The nanobiologist writes in <laughs> saying, what's good? With every major push in technology, we see its waves affect many other industries. I was listening to Giant Bomb's E3 show where Phil Spencer was on and talked about internet caps set by ISPs. During it, he made an interesting comment that we as consumers cannot let ISPs dictate the internet. Do you think video games in xCloud and Stadia will be the bastions slash champions that will get rid of archaic internet pricing? Or will it worsen what are our... What are currently exposed to on a monthly basis when we get our internet bills? Mm-hmm. This is a great question. Of course, the nanobiologist, a frequent contributor on Kind of Funny Games Daily. That's how I knew oh, I got uh, his name. But this is a really tough one to answer because I guess I'm just maybe a little bit jaded about the <laughs> terrible telecommunications monopolies that are happening in the United States in particular. I would love to live in a world where I think that we could rise up as a nation and demand that people like Comcast and AT&T and, you know, everybody else who is an ISP in the United States and say, we're down with our data caps. We want free internet and we want it fast and we want it now. You know what? Um, All I want is for them to stop fucking calling me. Stop calling me. (laughs) They call you? Comcast calls me. All the time. Huh. Have you asked? Oh, so, them sorry, it's Spectrum. You? Yes, I have. Oh. Are they yes, trying to I upsell have. you? Spectrum. Yes, they are. Oh. Asses. Yeah. I've, yeah, I found that the with the upselling, I'm just like, yo, you don't offer in your services what I want. Please stop calling me. Please Goodbye. leave me alone. Goodbye. Bye. But anyways, yeah, that was just a side an aside. I'm with you, Andrea. I wish, you know, I'd, I'd like to live in a world. I mean, I haven't been an adult long enough to have paid too much attention to this shit. And that's a lie. I just haven't paid much attention to this shit. But I, I think about cell phones. And for a while, you know, I think, you know, it was like, oh, you get two. I think, OK, I think way back in the day, actually, when you'd have a friend who didn't live in the same state as you did and you'd have to buy calling cards and you'd have mm-hmm. to call a number on the back of that card 
And then you'd have to enter a PIN number. And then you'd have like 200 minutes to talk to your friend. Actually, it wasn't even out of the state. It was out of the zip code. Mm. No, not zip code. Sorry, not zip code. Area code. Because I had a friend who, yeah, who uh, moved just 30 minutes north of me. But for me to call her, she had a different area code. I had to use a calling card. And that's the way it was for so long. And then with cell phones, the text message limit and then the data limit. And I think we're seeing that obviously be like, no, have all the text messages you want. Just please give us your business. I don't know how that applies to the internet the The problem with the internet like with cell phones there are different companies like there isn't one monopoly really on it there's at&t there's verizon there's sprint there's t-mobile there's enough competition that they have to do that because like verizon didn't have unlimited for a while Mm -hmm. and then eventually literally everyone else did and they were like oh shit i guess we have to so the fact that like each region basically has its own monopoly of isp like means it's really going to be difficult to change it it's honestly sort of like the steam thing where like, hey, we are the fat cat sitting on this pile and we don't want to move and we lazy mm-hmm. and we don't really have to do anything. So like, why would we? And the only thing I could, I don't think it will be xCloud. I think Stadia has a shot only because it's tied to Google. And if Google decides it wants to double down more on its Internet infrastructure, which I don't think they do, but they were doing it at a point in time. Uh, if they wanted to do something around there, they might be able to get it. But I, and then maybe that would open the floodgates. But otherwise, I think yes. the U.S. may be kind of screwed. That's such a good point. It makes you think of like a pie in the sky scenario where Google Fiber still existed. And Google could say, we're going to sell you a high speed fiber Internet account and we're going to pack in Google Stadia with the price of the internet, and then we'll guarantee you internet speeds to use Stadia. Uh, it's like a that's like a chef's kiss kind of scenario yeah. for a fiber internet lovers. But like, lol, Google that's not gone. most people. <laughs> and Google Fiber, I think they stopped doing. Yeah, all sad day. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping one day, like maybe they'll be like, oh, we're st- we stopped investing in fiber to invest in some other shit that's way better and not What's better tied, than fiber, not built into the to the ground i mean basically making beefing up wi-fi beefing up cell yeah. internet to the to the point where you wouldn't need hardwired anymore um but come on google i believe in you you can do it yeah but you're all, you, literally you're the only one i think i don't know about anybody i don't know about microsoft being able to do anything like that they would basically have to just try and negotiate slash lobby themselves um but i don't know how keen they are to do that and just to confirm uh, from this article over on businessinsider.com, Google Fiber is a broadband internet service that Google is currently deploying in 18 cities across the U.S. The service is notable because of its high speed, obviously running up to 1,000 megabits per second. Um, and despite the initial promise of the network, Google has paused expansion of fiber beyond those current 18 cities and notably pulled fiber out of several cities where it attempted to deploy the service. So. Uh. Womp womp. I remember I remember having pipe dreams of like one day I'll live in a city with Google Fiber. And like <laughs> I legitimately thought that that would be a life goal of mine. Uh like Mary and Donatello. I don't, I don't have it. Yes, like Mary Donna Mary Donatello moved to a city with Google, Google Fiber. You're son. Get a cake. Set for life. You're done. That's, oh my that's god, yeah. Short bucket list you got there. <laughs> you know, I'm a simple girl really at heart. <laughs> I mean maybe you, thinks I'm complicated, but I'm not. You could move to San Francisco, get a pet turtle. And then you could San like, Francisco does not have 
Google Fiber. Oh. Now we've got AT and T Fiber though. Mm. Mm. What's good games brought to you by? No, just kidding. <laughs> they didn't pay for that shit. But I mean, I use that connection like whoa. So. Mm. Anyway, thank you so much to everybody who wrote in with their Dear WGG questions. Don't forget, whatsgoodgames.com slash Dear WGG. You can submit your questions at any time. Uh, something strikes your fancy. Of course, it is potentially helpful if you tie it to one of the big news stories of the week. Um, otherwise, we might not get to it for a little while. But every once in a while, we'll pull a bunch of questions from there and uh, and answer them for you. So thank you so much to everybody for stopping by again Please go to youtube.com slash what's good games. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. It helps us out a lot. You, of course, can hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast service. And if you want to go above and beyond and you want to leave us a review, that would be great. I recently went to check out some of our podcast oh, reviews girl, on Apple. Oh, me too. And man, there are some people there saying some very not nice things about us, like mm-hmm. how girls can't play games and how we're bullshit because we're g- girls pretending to be gamers. And that's not cool, bro. So if you like what we do and you support what we do and uh, you want to help us out, maybe go drop Offset. a five-star review. Offset some <laughs> of that douchebaggery. Yeah, because there's nothing to stop them from being douchebags. We just need your help to to overwhelm them. Overwhelm the douchebags, everybody. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's our new campaign slogan. Overwhelm the douchebags. <laughs> Amazing. Indeed. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. Don't forget to tune into the streams tomorrow. We hope to see you there. Patreon.com slash What's Good Games. And have a fantastic weekend. Bye, everybody.